and another picture of the life of the church, their life together. This one from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, the fourth chapter. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Yodia and I urge Sintike to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understandings, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, I have seen the kingdom of God. I've seen the kingdom of God, really. I'm not joking. I've seen the kingdom of God, and it wasn't a near-death experience. It was just an ordinary Sunday morning in an ordinary, stodgy, old Southern Presbyterian church in the middle of a, a normal quiet, and to be quite honest with you, dull Sunday morning worship service. I saw the kingdom of God. I saw it on the second pew back from the pulpit. You want to know what it looked like? Second pew back from the pulpit? An older couple, well-dressed, sitting with four women from the neighborhood group home, two teenagers, and a thin young mother with a squirming four-year-old child, all crammed together in one pew, a perfect picture of the kingdom of God on display for all to see. Now, that might seem, sound a bit strange to your ears, but the church at its best is meant to be a snapshot of the kingdom of God. And our life together as Christian community is meant to give a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Now, to be sure, these snapshots and glimpses, they are incomplete. But God designed us to reveal something of his acceptance, his grace, his compassion. And God designed the church and our life together to give the world a taste of the new life available in Jesus Christ. That means that our life together matters. Its quality, its depth, its inclusivity, its grace matters. 
It's our life together, together in Christ, that makes ministry powerful and joyful and makes sharing the gospel possible. It's always been that way. Just think of that passage that Betty read us just a few minutes ago from the second chapter of Acts. In the very beginning, what was the church doing? What was that very first experience of those in Christ doing life together? Well, it says that they were hanging out all the time. They were eating. They were praying. They were going to temple. They were praising God. And all of that sharing, all of that togetherness, it had a purpose. It gained the goodwill of all of those watching. And it made the gospel message so attractive that it attracted outsiders. It was as meaningful for them as it was for those in the community so that day by day, the Lord added to their numbers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, it just seems so ideal and so perfect. Here's the problem. I've been in the church for a long time, and I've not experienced it quite that idyllic at times. It's a wonderful glimpse of the kingdom of God winning people over. But I'm not fooled, and, and you shouldn't be either. Scripture teaches that life together in Christ isn't always idyllic and perfect. Is that a surprise to you? Not always. In fact, it takes work. And even with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not always natural. It's messy. Life together in Christ takes practice and commitment before growth will occur, before the kingdom of God will shine through. That pew, that second pew back from the pulpit in that ordinary, stodgy Southern Presbyterian church, well, that pew belonged to the Grayson family. The Grayson family had been sitting in that same pew for generations. And now it was Mr. and Mrs. Grayson, the, this genteel, beautiful, older couple. They were always there, well-dressed, pillars of the church, delightful people. And they were always there, second pew back from the pulpit. And then it happened. A group home for mentally challenged women opened up next to the church. And one Sunday morning... During the opening hymn, four women from that home just appeared in our sanctuary. Now, if you know anything about Georgian architecture in these old Southern Presbyterian churches, the entrance to the sanctuary is in the front. It's by the pulpit. People come in this way. And so imagine these wonderful women just showing up in the middle of the hymn in this stodgy old Presbyterian church. And they got to right about in front of the pulpit while everyone's standing and singing. And they just stood there and smiled and they didn't know what to do next. And the church didn't know what to do. Except for Mr. Grayson. Mr. Grayson, the consummate gentleman and deeply faithful Christian just stood up, greeted the four women, and ushered them into his pew. It was so natural. It was so gracious. It was so right. It was a holy moment of acceptance and inclusiveness for that 
stodgy congregation. And because these women thrived on routine, they came back every week. And guess where they sat every week? Right there with the Graysons on the second pew back from the pulpit. Christian community, our life together in Christ always sends us into greater witness, deeper acceptance, sacrificial actions, and stronger faith. Just doing life together, just living the gospel out in the company of other Christians, as long as you're doing it with some honesty and some vulnerability, it will widen your understanding of God. It will widen your understanding of what God's up to. And Mr. Grayson's simple act that morning changed an entire congregation, a rather internally focused congregation, to be honest with you. They suddenly had a new ministry. They suddenly began to partner with the group homes that were actually being opened all over their neighborhood. A prominent family in that same stodgy old Presbyterian congregation split up in a very public and scandalous way. The father of the family disappeared, but the mother and children, ninth grade twins, returned to the church. The mother sang in the choir. And the ninth grade twins that morning had to find a way to sit down in church by themselves alone without dad for the first time. As the service began, they arrived in the sanctuary that came, of course, through these pulpit doors. They slowly made their way down the center aisle. So they got two pews back from the pulpit when Susan, from the group home, in a very loud voice, too loud for prelude music, said, hey, we've got room right here. Come join us. And they did. It was so natural. It was so gracious. It was so right. A holy moment of reaching out to hurting young people. And because they had nowhere else to sit, and because the second pew was in a good eye shot of the alto section where mom sat so she could watch them, they continued to sit with the Graysons and the group home women on the second pew back from the pulpit week after week after week. Christian community, our life together in Christ, lifts and encourages those in, me, in need. When Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, he meant it. And that kind of love, that kind of support, it can be tough. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes commitment, it takes some sacrifice. But nothing, nothing makes the gospel more irresistible, makes Christ more real than the love and acceptance of Christian community at any age, in any painful place of life. And Susan, Susan who couldn't do simple math and couldn't read a bus schedule, she far surpassed the gossips and the busybodies of that congregation with her love. She was a shining example for that community of faith. And finally, in that same ordinary stodgy old congregation, there was a young mother 
a young mother whose drug addiction suddenly spun out of control. She disappeared from the church, and her four-year-old son, Eric, disappeared from the preschool. And of course, it was Mrs. Grayson who decided to make a casserole and take it to the family. When she got there, she found the house disheveled, the mom passed out, and the little boy unattended to. There were months of rehab and therapy. There was a serious intervention. And finally, the little boy was allowed to stay with his mom again one night a week. She chose Saturday night, and on that first weekend that she had her little boy, Eric, back with her, to her horror, when he woke up on Sunday morning, guess where he wanted to go? He wanted to go to church. She tried to talk him out of it. She couldn't imagine the looks and the questions on people's faces, but little Eric wouldn't let go of it. So finally, she put a little big pair of sunglasses over her eyes, and she grabbed up little Eric, and there she was on Sunday morning, marching herself with that squirming little four-year-old through those pulpit doors. She got about two pews down from the pulpit when guess who she ran into? Mrs. Grayson. Christian community, our life together in Christ, it doesn't just encourage us, and it doesn't just send us into deeper ministry. It also holds us accountable it pushes us into greater faithfulness. You see, our life together is meant to hold up under the messiness and difficulty of real life, real problems, real failures, real disappointments. That means that our life together provides correction at times. It challenges us to live as those who are in Christ, who are captured and transformed by the love he poured out for us on the cross. Our life together reminds us that we are all works in progress, that we have more to learn and experience of God's grace. We have more to learn and experience of being forgiven for our sins. We have more to learn and experience of abundant life. Remember how Paul, when he wrote that letter to the Philippians, basically called out called out two women who had some kind of disagreement. We don't know what it was, but it must have been very important, and it must have been harming their life together as a church. Not only that, but did you notice he, he said, and I want my beloved companion, an unnamed third party, to help them. Get in there. Get involved. Get in their business and make sure that this is taken care of because God's kingdom demands more of all of you, Paul says. Shape up. That Sunday morning in that ordinary, stodgy old Presbyterian congregation, the embarrassed young mother wasn't the only one who saw Mrs. Grayson. You see, little Eric knew that Mrs. Grayson kept caramels in her purse. So the minute he saw her, he just dove into that pew and into her arms and begged for some candy. And the mom had nothing to do, but she had to follow. She had to follow her son into that pew. 
she kind of stuck her hand out in a stiff way to greet Mrs. Grayson, and Mrs. Grayson wouldn't have any of that. She simply raised her arms and enveloped that thin, trembling young woman. She whispered something in her ear that I couldn't hear. But let me tell you, it was such a holy moment, I had to turn my eyes away. Because I knew, I knew the kingdom of God existed, and I knew it was unfolding right before my eyes in the second pew, back from the pulpit, on an ordinary Sunday morning in an ordinary Presbyterian church. Dear ones, I have seen the kingdom of God, but so have you. So have you. At least you've seen glimpses. Maybe every now and then a breathtaking snapshot of God's love and mercy. Maybe once in a while the clear sound of God challenging you or calling you to be more faithful. Maybe moments when self-interest and self-absorption are completely shattered by the movement of God's spirit into new territory of service or sacrifice or witness in the name of Christ. And while such things can happen to us in lonely private places, I believe God intends for us to experience these glimpses, these snapshots, these moments together, to share them and create them with one another. So so that like the Acts Church and the Church of Philippi, our life together propels us beyond these walls into a world desperate for a glimpse, a snapshot of God's kingdom. So I've decided this morning to do the same thing that Paul did to those two women in Philippi. I'm going to get into your business just a bit. And I'm going to say, like he said, I urge you, I urge you in this new season of church life to attend to our life together as a church Attend to your need, your family's need for Christian community. To put it bluntly, I urge you to either start doing life together with other Christians here at WHPC or to make a deeper commitment to our life together than you've made before. It matters. It matters for your growth. It matters for the growth of these seated with you in the sanctuary. But most importantly, it's the only way that we are going to become the church that God desires us to be. The only way to serve as God intends us to serve. The only way that we will begin to reflect the kingdom of God outside these walls where, friends, it counts the most. To put it even more bluntly... Join a life group or recommit to the one you have. Get into a D group or small group if you're in junior or senior high. Join a Bible study, a renewal group. Sign up for pilgrimage, which is happening in just about four weeks. Commit to an ongoing mission project. Join this choir. They have an empty chair or two. Just don't miss out on the richest, most challenging part of our life in Christ, and that is our life together. Friends, the second pew from the pulpit in that stodgy old church 12 years ago, that's not the only place I've seen the kingdom of God. No, I see it here at WHPC every 
day, all the time. I saw it in my very first month here when I went downstairs to our dining room one Saturday and found hundreds of people putting together meals for Feed My Starving Children. I saw it in Nicaragua where I had the privilege of meeting some of your young people, some of the most amazing young people doing mission, most amazing young people I've ever met. I saw it just yesterday when I was here in the building and I thought I was alone and I came upon a group of people, volunteers, who are preparing speeches for pilgrimage, which is going to happen in just a few weeks, desperately working to say just the right things to, to touch hearts and lives and create Christian community. I've seen it in life groups, supporting each other through deaths and and job transitions and and tragedies and victories. I've seen it as the choir has surrounded one another in times of great need and great joy. I've seen it on Tuesday morning at the ungodly hour of 7 o'clock when for some reason our men think that that's a good time to be together and they do manly things in the parlor, I assume. But afterwards, I see them in small groups, sharing a cup of coffee, talking, supporting, encouraging, giving the kind of community that only men can do together. I've seen it in Sunday school classes of every age and stage as as groups within this church gather together to dig into God's word and to try to try and catch a glimpse of the kingdom that they can take with them into the world, into their regular lives starting on Monday morning. I am so grateful to be serving a church where I get to see these glimpses of the kingdom every single day. Now, I know, I know life together isn't easy. You can't be in the church for any period of time and not understand that it it takes work, that it's messy. I know these things, but friends, we mustn't get bogged down by the fact that it's hard or messy or difficult. We mustn't forget that in the midst of this mess and hard work of life, we also get a glimpse of God's kingdom, of God's forgiveness and mercy, his love, his righteousness. We mustn't forget That if we belong to God, and we do, then we also belong to one another. If we belong to God, then we also belong to one another. So, as Paul would say, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and pleasing, if it's commendable, if it's excellent, if it's worthy of praise, that, my friends, that is what we're going to work on. That's what we will look for in each other as we begin this new year ahead. And may the God of peace be with us all as we do life together. Amen.